Welcome back to The Wrong Opinion, Useless NBA Trivia and Garbage Rankings. As always, make sure to check out the trailer if this is your first time. We are talking about the Miami Heat. They began the franchise history in 1988 in that really frustrating stretch of overexpansion that we talked about uh, that ruined the late 90s. Under 20 wins their first couple seasons, 24 their third season, made the playoffs in 92 with 38 wins. After that, they got Glenn Rice, all-time college player from Michigan, drafted number four in 1989. He was eventually flipped for Alonzo Mourning, and they got Tim Hardaway from Golden State. So by 1996, they were a perennial playoff team, 97-61 wins in a conference finals appearance. Obvious loss to the Chicago Bulls. They had this incredible rivalry with the Knicks. They played each other in the playoffs four consecutive years from 1997 to 2000. Every single series went to a deciding game, be it seven games or uh, five games, because back then they did five games for the first round. The Heat won the first one, the Knicks won the next three. Alonzo Mourning struggled with illnesses and a couple injuries too and was eventually shipped away and brought back later as a shell of himself. But in 2003, it didn't really matter because they got Dwayne Wade at number five in the NBA draft. Now this is an all-time crazy draft. LeBron went number one, Darko went number two. The Grizzlies could have had the number one pick. We talked about the Grizzlies pick in a previous draft, how they it was number one protected and that's it. Uh, but Darko went to Melo three, Chris Bosh four, and Dwayne Wade five, second best player of the draft by a wide margin. His other three Hall of Fame contemporaries in that top five, LeBron, Melo, and Bosh all missed the playoffs. He took his team to the playoffs, 42 wins, 17 more than the year before. And he hit a buzzer beating game winner in the first round series. They got Shaq the next year, upped up to 59 wins, so another 17 win increase, and got to the conference finals. Wade got hurt, they lost. But in 2006, Pat Riley took over. Now, Pat Riley was part of that Knicks-Heat rivalry where he had been coaching the Knicks. The Heat broke a couple rules as far as tampering brought him in. Uh, but he had stepped away in 2003 to run the front office. Stan Van Gundy started coaching. Uh, Pat Riley took over in 2006, took back over in 2006, and they won the finals. Now, in a lot of ways, it was a little bit fishy, officiating. Wade took like 16 free throws a game, but they still won. Uh, he struggled with injuries the next few years. Eric Spolstra took over in 2008-9 season, a couple of first round exits. But in 2010, the decision LeBron James and Chris Bosh came into town. Four consecutive years, four consecutive finals. They won a couple of them. The 2013 team was an all-time, all-time team. LeBron and Wade, when you're talking about just jamming two great players together, it has never worked better than those two. They just complement each other so well, and they have the same sort of game but one as a forward, one as a guard. And then Bosch was a perfect wingman for all of that. Of course, Wade got old, LeBron left. A few playoffs in the next year. That 2017 team is one of my, <laughs> it's one of the weirdest. So this was after Wade left because uh, he was lowballed. He went to the Bulls, his hometown team. He ended up coming back the next year, so it was fine. The team started 11 and 30 in their first 41 games, first half of the season. Second half of the season, they went 30 and 11. <laughs> So they finished F500, but barely missed the playoffs. Dwayne Wade retired in 2019, triple-doubled in his final game. The next year, Jimmy Buckets came to town. Every team that he's been with so far hated him because he, you know, wanted to play hard. 
expected his teammates to do the same. Uh, but that fit right into Heat culture with the psycho Eric Spolstra. They made the finals as a five seed in his first season. A few years later, finals as an eight seed. <laughs> and another conference finals in there to boot where Jimmy Butler barely missed a game winning three. In game seven, I was screaming at him. I was so upset he took that. Now you never know what the future holds with the Heat because you just, at least in recent history, they just don't care about the regular season and then dominate in the postseason. It's very bizarre, it's hard to project. Now in the franchise history, 36 seasons, 24 playoff appearances. If you project this into a longer franchise, they're one of the top five franchises ever, but they've only been around for a few years. But let's get to the rankings. First team point guard, recently named to the Hall of Fame. Last year should have been there a long time before, Tim Hardaway. Six seasons with Miami after a devastating knee injury in 94. He was really the first guy to come back well, you know? He'd been an all-star in Golden State, was an all-star when he came to Miami. His stats tipped a little bit from his Golden State days, but I think he was a better player. Incredible passer, great scorer for a point guard, a good three-point bomber. In franchise history, he's still second by a wide margin, but still second in assists. And he was uh, the leader in three-pointers made until it's recently broken this year by Duncan Robinson. Stats always dip pretty bad in the playoffs, below 40% shooter uh, when they got to the playoffs. And the 97 conference finals, 35% from the field, 26% from three. Ugh, you're also going against Jordan, Pippen, Rodman, Ron Harper, so, yeah, it's understandable. But in that same season, 1997, first team all NBA, followed by two straight second teams. That ain't bad, my guy. So among Heat players, he ranks pretty high in most things, especially assists and threes. Among all NBA players in NBA history, 12th in assists per game, 18th in total assists. That's pretty good. First team shooting guard, the best player in franchise history, and it ain't close, Dwayne Wade. Now he really had an eight year peak from 05 to 2013, but for a couple sustained stretches there, specifically 2006 and then 2009, 10, 11, he was the best player in the league at least arguably the best player in the league. That 2009 season is one of, it's probably the best season by a shooting guard not named Michael Jordan. And that includes Kobe. 30 points, eight assists, five rebounds, 2.2 steals, 1.3 blocks, shooting 49% from the field. And that was the one season where he kind of had a three point stroke, making about 1.1 a game. Now, if you take all those numbers, he is the only player in NBA history to reach all of those metrics. If you take away the 30 points, the only other guy who's had all the other ones is Draymond Green with like seven points. All-time playoff performer, third best shooting guard in the league history, and he is number one in most stats. First in games played, most minutes by about 11,000, most field goals made, double the next guy, double the next guy in free throws. He's second in rebounds, only 900 short, despite being six foot four, number one in steals, number one in assists, number two in blocks. That's an underrated part of his game. All-time shot blocker. I think he is still, he was when he retired, he might still be the all-time leader in blocks for anybody under six foot five. So Dwayne Wade, easy one. Another easy one, first team, small forward, LeBron James. He was only there four years, but what a good four years they were. Two MVPs, two titles, four finals appearances. 2013 season, I think that's when he really came into his own. Obviously, he was a dominant force beforehand, uh, but you look at 2011, that 2010-2011 back-to-back playoff run, specifically the finals for these purposes in 2011, where he was getting mind-effed by J.J. Barea and could just not score on the smaller guards. 
But by 2013, he had a fully rounded game. That's when he shot 40% from the three for the first time. He'd always been pretty weak from there. That's when he peaked defensively, second in in defense player of the year voting. And he was still getting his 27, seven and eight, like he always does on high percentages. He learned how to post up. He got bulkier when he went to Cleveland, when he went back to Cleveland. And that really helped him because he didn't have the speed that he had with Miami. But that 2013 season was his first peak. Fourth in points. He is fourth in points in only four years there. That's impressive. And as you'd imagine, he is first in points per game at about 27. So there might be an argument for Jimmy Butler if he plays like five more years in Miami and wins the title. But I don't know. And I'm not a big LeBron guy. I was always a Dwayne Wade fan. And then when LeBron came, Dwayne Wade's stats started going down in my, you know, I was in high school. It's like, oh man, he's stealing his stats. I hate this LeBron. Just ignoring the fact that Dwayne Wade's getting old. <laughs> Just forget about that fact. Uh, first team, power forward. There's a couple ways you could go here. I'm going Chris Bosh. He sacrificed the most of the three guys coming to Miami. But like, what are you going to do? Put up 24 and 10 the rest of your career and never win anything? He was in two playoffs before he went to Miami. And by joining the Heat, he still got the All-Stars. He lost all, probably in a couple All-NBA teams, but he got two titles in his Heat career, 18 and 7. It's nothing to scoff at. And then in 2015 and 16, he jumped back to form, averaging 21 points per game. But then he had that blood clot situation and was abruptly retired. And his stats just don't do justice how important he was to those playoff teams. In 2012 and 13, when they won both years, he averaged 14 and then 12 points per game on, you know, decent percentages. He's also a great defender. I think that's something that people didn't appreciate because he wasn't a traditional post defender. But this was really the original small ball team. Chris Bosh at center, LeBron at power forward, Dwayne Wade doing whatever he wanted, and then two shooters. Chris also became a really good three-point shooter as he progressed with the Heat, especially in 2015 and 16. Uh, he really didn't take threes at all with, with Toronto before he came around. Up to one a game in 2013, three a game in 2014. Taking four, four a game, 15 and 16, shooting 38, 36%. It's pretty good, my man. In Heat history, eighth in rebounds, eighth in blocks, fifth in points, 6,900, despite not being in the top 10 of games. So there you go. Most important series was 2011 Conference Finals against the Bulls, better team all conference, all uh, regular season. And this was like the matchup to look out for because the Bulls didn't necessarily have a great defensive adjustment for, for him. Joakim Noah was, you know, best defensive player in the league, among the best defensive player, players in the league for that four or five year stretch there. But with a stretch guy like Chris Bosh, who could also get to the basket, uh, the Bulls just weren't ready for that without a good secondary big wing defender beyond Luol Deng. So in 2011 conference finals, 23 points per game on 60% shooting. There you go, my man. First team center. People are going to argue another guy, but it's clearly Alonzo Mourning. 11 seasons in Miami. He had a longer career than you remember. He ended up playing 16 years. <laughs> Technically 15 because he missed all of 03 with a kidney disease. But from 96 to 2000, averaging 21 points, 10 rebounds, 3.1 blocks per game. Not an awesome rebounder, but a very solid scorer and just an incredible shot blocker. Led the league in back-to-back -back years, 99 and 2000, with almost four a game. In NBA history, he's 11th in total blocks, sixth in blocks per game. That ain't bad, my man. When he came back to back up Shaq in 2006, for the 2006 uh, title run, he played 20 minutes a game, blocked 2.7 shots. 
per game in 20 minutes. Per 36, that's 4.8 blocks a game. That's just unbelievable. He was first team All-NBA in 99, second team in 2000, and then no other All-NBA teams. That's kind of rare. And in those years, he was second and third in MVP voting. And I would have given it to him in 99, just because I'm not too big on Carl Malone. In Heat history, third in games, second in rebounds, first in steals, or first in blocks by a mile with 16 hundo, second in points. Now it's gonna start getting a little thin here because they really just had that one great era, but it was kind of split in two, and then they've had a, a secondary era, secondary era. So it's a little bit more than just having one really good stretch. And most of it comes down to Pat Riley's success and Pat Riley's acumen, and then Eric Spolstra after him. I mean, he's the best coach in the league. But all that to say, there's only one guy in franchise history with more than 10,000 points, and that's D. Wade. So our first team, that's Tim Hardaway, Dwayne Wade, LeBron, Chris Bosh, Alonzo. Second team, point guard, I'm going Goran Dragic. The Suns had this weird phase in 2014 and 15 where they just tried to get as many point guards as they, as they could. They had Goran, Isaiah Thomas, Brandon Knight, Eric Bledsoe. Goran was All-NBA in 2014, but they picked Bledsoe over him. Traded him in 2015 to the Heat, where he played for seven seasons. You never think, I I just don't think of Goran as an all-time Heat guy, but he played seven seasons with the Heat. His first All-Star was in 2018 at 31 years old. Now we kind of bridged the stretch between Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler. He was the point guard in the uh, 2020 team that went to the finals. This was a bit past his prime. Uh, he wasn't starting, but he's still putting up 16 and five. Now he was never all NBA with the Heat, never much more than a, you know, just really, really good starter. Uh, but he was really good in the first three rounds of those 2020 playoffs. 23 a game, 20 a game, 20 a game. And then in the finals, oof, 17 minutes, five points per game. Shooting 30%, didn't hit a three. You don't love to see that. And after that, his career just kind of cratered, you know, he aged, no shame there. But in franchise history, still ends up eighth in total points, third in assists. Just a do-it-all point guard, not a great uh, defensive player, kind of Steve Nash light, who he was backing up for a few years there. Could hit some threes, nice passer, not necessarily thought of as a distributor, about five a game for his career, but you could do worse than him at your point guard. Second team shooting guard, Eddie Jones. We talked about Eddie with the Hornets a few a few months ago now, and we're gonna we might talk about him for a second in a few weeks here. But twice he was replaced by generational talents at his same position. He was starting over Kobe Bryant in 1998. Kobe and him both made all-stars. Kobe was an all-star starter above the guy that was starting above him in the regular season. So that's odd. So 2000 came to Miami. By 2003, they drafted Wade. They tried to start the two of them together. First Wade at point guard, then Jones at small forward. It didn't work too well. Both are, are clear-cut shooting guards. So he left after 2005, and they won the, won the title the next year. So that's a bummer. But six seasons in Miami, 16 points, about five rebounds, three assists. Great defensive player, about one and a half a game. He's top 10 in a couple categories, you know, steals, points. Uh, but this was definitely past his his apex, and I'm a big fan of Eddie Jones. Very well-rounded player, definitely suited to be the f the fifth guy on a championship team. But for two different franchises, he left, and then the next year they won the title. That's not great. Second team, small forward Jimmy Frickin Butler. He's only been in Miami four years, but in that time, a couple All NBAs, two All Stars, led the league in steals in 2021, and two NBA Finals. Now this playoffs we just went through was absolutely unbelievable. Obviously they were an eighth seed. They almost lost 
in the play-in game, barely made it with two minutes left. First round, 38 points on 60% shooting. Just unreal. Now, if he took some of that magic into the regular season, he'd have more than two third teams and one second team over the last four years. And he's one of the best defensive players of his generation. He's never been first team all defense, just because he doesn't care in the regular season. And you know, there's something to that, especially in the NBA, the regular season does not matter. Uh, but I think it'd be different if he was winning titles. I think he'd be looked on a, a little bit differently. Because in fact, despite all his prowess, he doesn't rank in the top 10 of anything, not even steals. Oh, a scratch that, he's eighth in assists. And that's it. Although outside of traditional counting stats, he is first in triple doubles. Wade is number three with five. LeBron has nine. Jimmy Butler has 11. That's pretty cool. Third in points per game behind LeBron and Wade. He can score from anywhere except for three. Dangerous when he gets in the paint because he will pump fake you to death. Great point forward. Incredible defensive player. Doesn't box out, but gets a lot of rebounds. It's a very frustrating watch, but it works out for him. I hope they win a title soon because I'm a big buckets guy. Second team, power forward, Udonis Haslam. He didn't have a single year that was like excellent. In fact, his best year was probably 2008. 12 points, nine, re nine rebounds a game. And that's when they won 15 years and got the number two pick that they wasted on Michael Beasley. But he's been with the team for 20 years. That being said, he hasn't played 20 games since 2016. <laughs> now he had this incredible final game this year final game of his career it was, it was a cool little story but it's important it is important to note that he's basically like a player coach his teammates love him he's good for morale and he won three titles he's their all-time leader in rebounds as well and then he's second in minutes second in games beyond that not too much a little bit of everything you'd want as a power forward uh, but the most important stuff is is the intangibles so you know whatever second team center Shaquille O'Neal that 2005 year was one of his best. He only put up 23 points on 10, on 10 rebounds, shooting 60%, by the way. But he was second in MVP voting. He was credited with raising the play of their team, 17 win increase from the year before. But also Dwayne Wade increased them 17 by 17 wins as a rookie. So you just naturally think he's going to step up that, that next season. But whatever. 2006, he really fell off a cliff. Uh, he's still putting up 20 and 9, played half the season, but in the playoffs, dropped down to 18 points per game. And then in the finals, where Dwayne Wade just took over and said, I am the best player in the league, Shaq only put up 14 and 10. But a couple first-team All-NBAs, sixth in blocks. Beyond that, not much for Shaq. He did get his fourth title, breaking his tie with Kobe, which was eventually broken back. And he was the second best player on the team, so I don't want to act like he was nothing there. And that 2005 season was really, really good. It might have deserved MVP. So that's our second team. Goran Dragic, Eddie Jones, Jimmy Butler, Udonis Haslam, Shaquille O'Neal, 13 point guard. I really struggled. I really struggled here. I'm telling you, it gets it gets dark for a couple of these positions. I thought about Mario Chalmers, honestly, but I went Sherman Douglas. He was there two and a half years before he went to Boston as a rookie in the Heat's second season, so a really bad team. 14 points, six assists, almost two steals. Second year, 19 and nine. But as soon as he left, as soon as he left, his stats just dipped for the rest of his career. A career 11 and six guy. So it's definitely more that it's definitely more that he was just one of the solid players on a really bad team. And there's only so many stats to, stats to go around. But there's just not a, a better option for point guard, honestly. In 2006, there were two old guys that had a couple big moments. 
in the LeBron James era, they were constantly looking for the right point guard before deciding, you know what, screw it. Dwayne Wade's gonna be at the one, LeBron's gonna be handling the ball, and we're gonna surround him with shooters, and that's it. So I'm not gonna talk too much about Sherman Douglas, but he is ninth in assists. So that's something, I guess. Right, yeah, yeah, you are allowed to kill that pick, but I dare you, I challenge you to find a better one. Third team shooting guard, I uh, really thought about an older player, a 90s guy for this, but I went Tyler Hero, and I don't actually love him. Uh, four seasons now, I in the, that 2020 finals, him, Mad Dog, and LeBron, I know he lost, but like, you want somebody like that as a freaking rookie, a skinny, small rookie. He's an incredible shot creator, not necessarily efficient, low, low 40s, but really good three-point shooter. Uh, can t distribute the ball really well, a cooler at the free throw line, 20 points a game these last two years. He was sixth man of the year in 2022, and they really missed him in the playoffs. He was hurt. That was part of the story. They did this all without their third leading scorer, and there were just times they couldn't get a bucket, and they needed they needed a hero. Now, he's still young, obviously, but he has six and three-pointers made for the Heat. Looks like he might be traded, part of a package for Damian Lillard, uh, which, uh, I don't know. I kind of want to just run it back. I don't know about you guys. Third team, small forward. This is easily the Heat's best position because there's one guy I want on here that I'm leaving off. The third team is Glenn Rice. Six years in Miami. He was no more. He was, you know, all NBA a couple times with the Hornets. Uh, but with the Heat, the best player of the first, you know, era when they sucked, but still 19 a game during his time there. Only played in two playoff series, eight total playoff games, and the stats aren't great. They do, they do get a little bit better once he goes to Charlotte, and even they're pretty nice with uh, the Lakers for a little bit when he was kind of luggage on those teams. But he still ends up fourth all-time in Heat three-pointers. Third points. Just a great traditional scorer. He could score, I say this all the time, but he could score from anywhere. He was a fantastic three-point shooter. He had one season, it's not with the Heat, but he shot 47% on 5.6 attempts per game with Charlotte in 97. That is unreal. Now with the Heat, he was above 38%. He was 40% one year, high 40s from the floor. Just an under, underrated great, and I really think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Because he played with a couple bad teams, and then when he got to a good team, he was important. Yeah, they would have won without him, but who cares? So I am pro Glenn Rice in the Hall of Fame. Third team power forward, Ooh, we are really scraping right now. Grant Long, drafted in their inaugural season, uh, he's probably their second best player for that terrible, terrible era. I don't really have much to say about him. Seven years, 12.7 rebounds a game. Solid defensive player. He appears on a couple leaderboards for the Heat, but this is more by default because there's just not a better option. And I'm sorry. What are you, you know, PJ Tucker? I don't, there's nobody else. Nobody else. And third team center, this was the toughest one because there's one other guy I really wanted to talk about. Uh, so I'm still going to talk about him because, you know, this is my show. But instead, I'm going Bam Adebayo. Tremendous defensive player. Amazing creator on the offensive end, too. He had two seasons where he put up five assists per game. Uh, he ended up advocating a little bit of, of ball control and became a better scorer over these last two years. But a high percentage guy with, with low usage. It looks like he's going to be a 20-9 and nine guy going forward with a couple assists. He doesn't get a lot of blocks, but just fantastic lockdown defender from center. He's really a three in a center's body and their style of play, they play him at center. I thought about calling him a, a power forward uh, so I could stick in the other guy at center, get rid of Grant Long, but that's just, he's he plays this 
This is the modern center position. Everybody handles the ball. He probably could have had the Defensive Player of the Year a couple times, or at least argued for it, but he never played enough games. And then this past year, 75 games, that's good, uh, and still didn't win it. So that looks like he's... So that's a bummer, because you know he wants it. He's very public about that. Four-time, second-team All-Defense, yet to be All-NBA. Made the All-Star game a couple times, though. Uh, he ranks in blocks, rebounds, points. Across the board, he's already he's already climbing the leaderboards. One thing that really frustrates me about him, though, I think he's the all-time leader in off-the-backboard goaltending calls. It is so infuriating. Like, chase down block, he just waits to the last second, and then he goes off the backboard, and he blocks it. Very frustrating. Just do it a second earlier, my man. He was really important for this playoff run. Obviously, they didn't have Tyler Hero, and there's some times where Jimmy Butler was just limited, so he took over. And it's incredible, incredible to watch once he starts getting going because he is he, point bam is such a fun thing to watch now hardest cuts there's a couple honorable mentions um jason williams you could have talked about at point guard over sherman douglas he does have a title and obviously he had the better career than sherman douglas but it, it's just really that one you know solid it wasn't even great good finals run i almost want to change my mind and stick him in there but you know it was good he was fine he helped uh steve smith I kind of wanted over Tyler Hero, but this was, he, he really peaked with Atlanta. There were three okay years with Miami to start his career, you know, 12, 16, 17 a game. Karan Butler, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about, but just three really good small forwards in their franchise's history. His first two years were in Miami. His stats really dipped when Dwayne Wade came, so it kind of looked like he was just a prisoner of being the best guy on a crappy team. Uh, but then he was traded for Shaq. Which, by the way, he traded for Shaq. He was valuable. Uh, the next year, he went to Washington, became an all-star. So, yeah, it was really good. And Anthony Mason, again, really weak power forward. Anthony Mason was an all-star. His only all-star was in 2001 in his single season with the Heat. 16-10. and 10. But that's, like, marginally better than Grant Long's best year. They did make the playoffs, but he played three games and averaged five a game. So, uh, yeah, no, you kind of lost it there, bud. Hassan Whiteside, I can't stand. He gets a lot of blocks, so people think he's, think he's a good defensive player. Like, no, he lets his guy go by him nine times, and then the tenth time swats the shot. Like, that's not good. Very good rebounder, very, you know, good pogo stick roll guy, which is kind of what you want in a center these days. Uh, but he got market corrected by Bam Adebayo because the metric said that Bam was better. Uh, the one guy I really wanted to talk about, though, was Ryan Sicali. He was the original Greek great. First six seasons came with Miami. Solid 15 and 10. I just really wanted him. I wanted to put him in there over Grant Long. I just couldn't pull the trigger because he's, you know, Grant Long's power forward, Sakali's a center. Uh, it's just a huge bummer. But high, ranks highly on most of their stats, especially their big man stats. Never an all-star or anything. Peaked at 17 and 12 on 48% shooting. Uh, played on a lot of bad teams throughout his career. Made the playoffs four times. Never made it out of the first round. Uh, fun fact of the day, though. He was traded in 1994 and 1996 from the Heat to the Warriors and then the Warriors to the Magic. Both were on November 2nd. That's a random fun fact for you. But he's one of the most important early international-born players, especially for the 90s. He's the most improved player one time. Just an important footnote in NBA history that I wanted to talk about. Roni Sicali. If you hate my wrong opinions, tweet me at WrongOpinionNBA. Make sure to check out our YouTube partner, Hooper's Lane. Do a lot of cool stuff over there. We're going to be back next week. We're ending this stretch of a few sustained runs 
We've got four more groups coming up. The next of which is titled Decades of Terrible Moments of Greatness. There's two teams that have titles decades apart. Both are long, long-standing franchises and both have a lot of really, really bad peaks. The first team we're gonna talk about won a title in the early 2000s, despite not having a single player that was ever first team All-NBA. Can you guess who that was? Till then, peace out.